Welcome to another episode of Bike Shop Boyfriend with your host, Dustin. Alright, that was just me trying my radio voice. Um, let me know how it works for you, uh, if, <laughs> if at all. Um, yeah, I was joking around at the bike shop this past week and uh, someone asked me if about my podcast, the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast, which you are listening to right now and as your host, Dustin. Uh, yeah, so I was just talking about about the background information about it. Um, and I was jokingly talking in my radio voice, so very over-the-top, enthusiastic, borderline game show host-like, or even announcer. Um... And they said that I actually had a really good voice for radio and all that and how I explain things and educate people about uh, the ins and outs of bike store questions that you may have. Um, So I jokingly said I would try that uh, bike shop boyfriend uh, voice in terms of over-the-topness radio show voice and all that. So if you liked it, let me know. Um, If you prefer just the conversational tone of my voice, I will keep on with that. It's way easier to maintain uh the amount of prep of what you have to know how you're gonna say something is a little little weird it's almost like doing an impression of that Uh, so there's a bit of foresight involved to talk like that so um and because i don't do much of a script at all for any of these podcast episodes um yeah it's just easier to maintain uh the conversationality of uh these segments just in play, just makes it way easier to understand. So let me know what you think, and let's get to the episode. So it is currently Saturday um, in January, and the date alone... Wait a second, I'm just going to ask Google. Hey Google, what's the date today? Cool. So I don't know if you heard that, but it's uh, January uh, the 27th. Uh, 2018 Um, I use Google a lot so just a heads up and so I let uh, the podcast segment sort of uh, go a little bit delinquent this particular week reason for is there was a lot sort of going on uh, in my day-to-day life not to say that I was busy I was just got a lot of other things I had to take care of Um, some of those were personal pet projects secondly some were personal projects for other people Um, those other people are the hammer and the essential and um, yeah the essential uh, got himself a brand spanking new bike however I will mention that uh, this sort of actually gets to the crux of what this particular segment is about sort of the customer service responsibility that anyone in that sort of environment has when the manufacturer supply chain um, or distribution chain sort of fails to some degree. Um, Just to give a little bit of background on this one and to unpack it a bit, uh, my man Russell The Essential uh, pre-ordered a uh, bicycle from a the world's largest bicycle manufacturer. I'm not calling them out by name, but they ended up uh, sort of not having enough in their warehouse to fulfill the order. Um, my man is looking to have a very versatile bike, and for whatever reason, the Canadian side of that distribution chain um, 
being as big as they are, did not have enough bikes to fulfill all of Canada's needs, so the bike was backordered. Now, that was four or five months ago, and to be honest, that's a little bit on the unacceptable side of things, uh, especially when they only brought in a certain amount of bikes. Now, I understand from their side of it, they do want to have the allure of uh, exclusivity and you don't want to flood the marketplace too much with your product or just even have so much product in your own warehouse that you can't move it etc etc because no one wants the bike what have you um, but that actually puts a bike shop in a very precarious situation that we aren't able to make a customer happy or give them the product that they're wanting so Fast forward uh, now to this past week, or even the week prior, and my man, uh, the essential, sort of had enough. Like that—that's just the fair way to put it. Um, he wasn't upset at us; he was just more upset at who was supplying the bike. Now, my man Rudy, uh, another character in the bike shop, also the general manager, he stepped up to the plate and uh, suggestively sold him on a different brand's bike that was for sure in stock and lo and behold it arrived this particular week we built it up i even took a few uh candid uh teaser shots of the bike being built up you can check that out on my instagram uh, if you're interested which is dustin d-u-s-t-i-n-w-h-t uh that's my handle check it out if you want to see those images um but yeah so much to my man russell's satisfaction the bike is here, it's built up, we're just gonna do the final flat, like dialing in of it. So this is just the segment that sort of gives you the background side of things. So I'm gonna get into my thoughts right now. So if you listen to the previous segment, I was just mentioning how the whole background situation is occurring. And it sort of leaves the bike shop, which is kind of the face of uh, the brands when they themselves are not there to represent themselves, if that makes sense, we're the stand-ins. So whatever brands we bring into a bike shop, we have to sort of, we at full 100% actually, not sort of, uh, this is a definitive, we have to stand behind the product that we sell. Having said that, so when the manufacturer or the distribution chain uh, affects the supply of us providing that product to our customer base, uh, whether they are friends or new faces in our shop, um, we're always going to be that face. So when they drop the ball, we're the ones who are left on the hook. Uh, we're the ones who have to take the mud. We have to take the shit that people throw at us. Um, hopefully not, never physically. That's just kind of wrong. Um, but we're the ones who end up having to show the best face possible. Having said that, uh, sometimes that's at the expense of other brands uh, that we have to use to, as a placeholder for uh, to sort of make the situation right. Long story short, we have to do right by the customer. So having said that, uh, my man, uh, Russell there, got himself, uh, we gave him, a, well, I gave him a little bit of a deal actually on the fact that he was pretty much inconvenienced on uh, getting the bike he wanted uh, initially, but he did end up getting a bike that he is absolutely, I hope, in love with. He hasn't ridden it yet, um, but that he's absolutely in love with. It's got a higher-end spec to it, 
Um, the wheel set is upgraded. Um, the versatility factor of it is hopefully uh, gonna really strike his fancy. Um, we're hoping to weigh it, you know, totally bike geek out over the stats and specifications of it in the coming future. Um, I might actually record that for the podcast. We'll see. Uh, he has seen it, so this is never going to be a surprise for him. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that it does put us as a frontline retail experience as the uh, B2C sort of side of things. Um business to consumer uh, side of things very difficult to um, sometimes relay and get empathy for Uh, we're not actually in charge of making the bikes we're in charge of selling the bikes so sometimes that relationship between all those different chains of uh, systems there do sort of break down and fall to the wayside and for that I always have to apologize and hopefully I can always make that situation right with uh, tremendous service or um, you know give a bit of a discount so that way there is a reason for them to return to the shop not that that always is best practice I do stand by all the products and I don't try and discount all the products that we have but sometimes you have to give a little to remain to get that business back and also um, to show love that's pretty much the best way to do it so um, I don't know how it affects you in your bike shop to consumer uh, business in terms of how you do the transaction or um, how you proceed forward with that relationship with your consumer but I want to know your thoughts is that sort of best practice for you like did you have to did you have to ever go through a situation like that where you had to sort of switch products around for the benefit of your consumers so that way they would still uh, buy from you? Or did you sort of lose business that way? So it's up to you how you go about and how you tactically uh, go about doing that. But for me, that's what I find is a best practice. Um, yeah, it is still apples to apples, but hey, it's the apple that you can get in stock, right? So that's... and that's what you want to eat so um yeah so hopefully this all makes sense it's just a bit of a rant that's actually been on my mind and hopefully i did right by my own bike shop and hopefully i did right by my man russell and all the brands considered um i think everyone's gonna win so cheers to that so for the purposes of this next segment uh just to give you a little bit background what is being discussed Previously on the podcast, my man, The Hammer, uh, purchased himself a cross-country sort of enduro dual suspension bike. Um, Secondhand, beautiful bike. Uh, It's a Rocky Mountain element. Beautiful um, red, fire engine red, poppy red. If you're into pencil crowns, you know what I'm talking about. Um, And he went from a two-by drivetrain system uh, to a one by drivetrain system with uh, absolute black chainring, so it's slightly elliptical, and also with some Shimano SLX uh, cranks, crank arms uh, bolted to all that and mounted back onto the frame. The existing bottom bracket is an FSA bottom bracket standard for that particular build when it was made in the factory and installed and all that good stuff. So it's perfectly fine. Uh, We're trying to reduce the cost on what uh, my man 
is wanting to spend. He's already shelled out like almost 300 bucks for just the drivetrain upgrade. So we're just trying to keep costs down, but we're also trying to make all these um, parts that weren't spec'd out for the bike work and spec'd out for the bike. What we're discussing here in this next segment is uh, the change up to it. Um, my man John is one of our service technicians. He's got a tremendous history slash background in dual suspension bikes. Uh, he's one of the initial downhill guys from the 80s and 90s in, on the East Coast. So he's got a lot of experience with uh, chain slap, chains jumping off of drivetrains and this and that. And he's a bit of a wizard in some cases with some of these things. So this is my sort of inquisitive asking of things of how it's all going. We did an initial stall. He went home. Uh, this is all John. Uh, the hammer took the bike home uh, and John sort of second guessed himself when he went home that night. And he asked me to ask the hammer to bring the bike back just to double check the bottom bracket and the Q factor. That's all incorporated in this dual suspension. Um, it's very tricky uh, sort of situation. This is the raw audio from that and there's some candidness to it. Uh, there's some explicitness maybe to it. Um, that's just how we talk to each other in the bike shop. We're very, uh, if there's no customers around, that's how we talk. We do swear quite a bit. So all that forewarning, all that backstory, this is the segment. Enjoy. Edge to edge is... Yeah, that's just like, um, like a millimeter in a bit, if that, there. yeah. And so these ones didn't work, and this one was too wide as well because of the waviness. But uh, I got without any washers. Even you tighten that that bolt down on the Shimano one, and it starts to bind. Oh yeah, because it pulls it through, right? Right. Yeah. It was, it was putting too much preload on the bearing, and so I found a washer to put in there that gives me just enough space, and it keeps keeps everything tight and proper and with the most amount of spin. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's a pretty free-moving bottom bracket now. Yeah, like without the... Now there's no binding going on. Yeah, if you take the cassette off or the chain off, you give it a spin. It's pretty, like... Whee! Yeah, it's not, it's not as good as some. In that regard. But... Oh yeah. It's better than it was. Without putting ceramic bearings in there. Yeah, it, when this bottom bracket's toast, just put a Shimano one in there. Yeah. A proper Shimano bottom bracket. Looks good though. Before, if I did that, it would just kind of go. Yeah, you would get like a one rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And that might bed itself in a little bit better too with with time, as seals lap in and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So. But it's uh, it's a lot less like I could feel the resistance if I pedaled it this way. Yeah. Before now it's there is a little bit there, but not enough to be concerning, right? No. It's actually kind of remarkable how easy it is to like oh the chain dropped off and back on. Well, I'm concerned about that a little bit. Yeah. Still Didn't need to put a chain catcher on it. Eh? Well. Just for this insurance almost. Definitely, especially if he wants to race it all. Yeah. Because um, what can happen is as the suspension compresses, yeah. um, 
depends on the suspension design. Some are more prone to it than others, but you get what's called chain growth. Yeah. Right? It almost like loads up the chain. And so if your chain is compressed while you hit, or if the suspension is allowing chain growth and you get a little bit of slack and then you hit a bump, uh, like just depends on the frequency, yeah. uh, then you end up with the chain bouncing forward yeah. and off she goes. Yeah. So. Almost through no fault of your own even. No, yeah. it's just resonance in the suspension, resonance in the, in the bouncing. Yeah. The clutch derailleur helps a lot, but you know, as that clutch wears, that yeah. sort of thing, you might get a little bit more more bounce. Yeah. And if, if it's gonna bounce, it's gonna bounce out, up and forward. Yeah. So uh, there is provision for bolting in a, a small chain guide here. Uh, highly recommend it. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. All it has to be is a little block of Darylin or something that sits just Over like top. that. Yeah. You know, bolts in here to where the derailleur used to bolt into, and uh, yeah, it just keeps the chain from bouncing up and forward. Cool, sweet. Not good that we got it figured out. So I didn't quite know how to address this, so I'm going to be completely transparent with all of you. Uh, the coming 2018 season. Um, previously, I was. Uh, a Scratch Labs ambassador for 2017 uh, on the Canadian side of things and it was going through a middleman distributor um, race, day f uh, race Day Fuels uh, and I was with them last year which is totally that's what it was um, and with that I was like privy to you know you get certain discounts and they want you to try flavors and all this good stuff and they want to hear about your cycling goals and what have you and this year I decided to change it up there's a few things that I'm changing up overall this year uh, and I figured also my hydration uh, sponsor I guess is probably the best way to describe this um, needed to change as well I'm super, super happy to have worked with uh, Scratch Labs as well as Race Day Fuel for 2017. So I can't thank them enough for the opportunity for me to represent them, um, help sell their product in a large, uh, in a more transparent way. Like I was very upfront about me being sponsored by Scratch Labs and Race Day Fuel. Um, but I did want to move on to something a little bit more different for 2018. Who knows, in the future, I might be returning. So with that, I am proud to announce uh, formally and officially that I am uh, a NUN ambassador for uh, 2018. NUN or noon, I don't know how to really pronounce it. I've tried Google like a couple times um, in terms of how to say it. They give me different pronunciations of how to say the word. So I'm gonna call it noon. Uh, or none so just so you know what I'm talking about uh, but check out uh, none hydration if you are at all curious um, they do a lot of effervescent sort of hydration tablets um, just a bit of maybe candidness I actually am uh, a sufferer of an illness called IBS it's known also as irritable bowel syndrome um, as an athlete, it is very uh, sometimes difficult to uh, contend with the GI stresses of what your stomach is doing while you're trying to perform and you just have full-on upset stomachs. Um, it sometimes responds into cramping. 
uh, full-on diarrhea, which is never, you know, great. Um, And sometimes it's activated by stressors as well as food and other uh, stimulus. And sometimes for no other reason, it just hits you. So with that in mind, uh, I am trying uh, always something new that will calm my gut when I'm trying to perform at my best. Um, I've actually joined uh, a Facebook group that is actually uh, a closed group, so sadly you might not be able to join, um, of other non-ambassadors that uh, one of the questions was uh, someone admitted that they also have IBS, and I have to say there's something like uh, a, a solid hundred responses to this one question. Uh, myself, I threw in my hat and my two cents. Uh, they're coming from a running background, so that's always very interesting for me to uh, consider and see how people respond through that forum. But um, I'm a cyclist, so I voiced what I have found as my strategy for finding relief. And um, yeah, so it's very exciting times ahead. Uh, so enough about my IBS, by the way. Um, but it's very exciting times coming, uh, in terms of being sponsored by noon for the coming year. I will be trying some of their products, uh, and maybe giving you guys a bit of a taste test review of what's to come. Um, yeah, so let's see how that all plays out, but I've got an exciting announcement coming your way. So now you know my background as my uh, background information to uh, having a hydration sponsor for 2018. Uh, Once again, thank you, Noon, for uh, inviting me to join your community and uh, try out your product and give you real reviews uh, in the coming year. Um, Speaking of those reviews, I kind of needed some recommendations as to where to start. Um, You kind of need a baseline so that way you know where you are comfortable etc for when you want to branch out and this and that so what i did was uh, i reached out to ellen noble uh who came in second for the women's elite cyclocross national cyclocross national championships as well as jeremy powers also came in second for the cyclocross uh u.s national championships uh, a couple weeks ago reached out to them because they are sponsored by noon for their aspire racing team um through Twitter, they replied back. They were super gracious about it. Um, can't thank them enough. So this is my shout out to them. Um, they both recommended certain flavors as well as uh, performance mix in this and that. So I did go out today and uh, pick that up just to try before I order more quantities of the product itself. So it's more of my try before you buy. But if you're already a fan of uh, the Noon Life, um, hashtag, uh, do check out, uh, and you want to save a little bit on their, on noon products, go to noonlife.com. That's N U U N life.com. Uh, and at checkout, use the code aspire hydrates and you can save 20% off on your purchase. Um, again, that is aspire hydrates at checkout and you will save 20% on your purchase. I'm hoping that also works for Canada as well, but if it works for my friends in the U.S., awesome. Enjoy that. And uh, thank the great folks at Aspire Racing for that one. Um, Myself, I actually picked up the Lemon Lime uh, Effervescent Tablet, the electrolyte tabs there, as well as the 
uh, Strawberry Lemonade. Those are both uh, Jeremy Powers' recommendations. Sadly, they didn't have uh, the Fruit Punch mix that Ellen Noble uh, recommended, but they did have the Orange Mango Performance Mix, um, Hydration Mix, available. So I will be trying that out. So that's Ellen Noble's pick, and I've also got Jeremy Powers' picks uh, as part of my hydration test for the next little bit. I'm going to let you guys know how it all works out. Uh, in terms of being on the bike and uh, if it causes any kind of gut issue, what have you, and go from there. So once again, if you're interested in picking up some Noon Hydration product, uh, once again, go to NoonLife, uh, N-U-U-N-Life.com, and use the code AspireHydrates uh, at checkout, and hopefully it saves you some cash. Um, Yeah, but let me know how it works out for you. And I think I'm going to close out that segment with uh, that little promo right there. Enjoy the promo. So a funny moment happened today. Uh, This actually relates to uh, pretty much everything I've talked about in this particular episode of the Bike Shack Boyfriend podcast. Um, Went shopping for some noon products. My bike shop that I work at does not supply noon whatsoever. Um... I think it might be an exclusivity factor uh, with the distribution with the company. Um, but having said that, I went out to uh, another bike shop, uh, outdoor supply shop thing, retailer. That's probably the best way to describe them. I was there and I was recognized by some customers that I've had in my own bike shop. And they were kind of surprised that I do shop outside of the bike shop for my own consumer needs. Um, So pretty much, yes, I do work in a bike shop, but I am also a consumer. So yes, you can see me out at other uh, business places that are also Velocentric maybe, uh, buying goods that will work for my own personal riding. Um, That's maybe bringing up a bigger point that, uh, yes, even though I do work in a bike shop, my purchasing choices are still my own. So um, I will go and find like the best deal and I will also go find out for the products that I want. Um, That actually even goes for the bike that I ride uh, primarily right now is my giant TCR Advanced Pro 1. I will say that the saddle on this bike is a specialized Evo uh, Roman Evo 155 millimeter saddle. Um, I find that saddle absolutely comfortable. I have actually tried other saddles, and this specialized Roman Evo is by far like my favorite, my preferred choice um, in terms of riding all day comfort, especially with the winter season, uh, spending it mostly indoors, not moving terribly dynamically on the bike at all. So it's nice to have a perch to sit on uh, during these uh, numerous hours I've been putting on the bike. Um, yeah, I our bike shop doesn't supply specialized product, uh, even the accessories, just due to the exclusivity of other bike stores having it. So it is one of those things that it works for me. I'd rather pay for it full price at another bike shop and be happy rather than use something else that can cause me uh, physical discomfort and possibly not allow me to enjoy the bike at all. So that's just like my big highlight of it. Uh, Go where 
you like if you like the product get the product um, if it's at a price that your local bike shop can provide it to you with in a speedy amount of time go with that if you can support them through that uh, avenue I would say um, but if they can't do sort of like if your wallet leads you elsewhere that's just the nature of the business um, as a bike shop we would love like always a hundred percent of your business but I would say realistically to expect uh, between 70 to 80 percent of returning customers to come back that's sort of what are for their needs and for ordering special orders uh more customization what have you um i think that is actually more of a realistic expectation in the current climate of bicycle retail industry um and i count myself apart that so uh just full disclosure and uh, transparency on that one uh but yeah if you I'm going to pretty much finish up this podcast with those thoughts. Um, so if you like this episode, give it a like. Again, Bike Shop Boyfriend uh, with your host Dustin here. If you have any questions, comments, give me a shout out uh, on Twitter, D-O-S-T-I-N-W-H-T. Uh, that's also my Instagram handle. There's also a Facebook group. So again, Dustin White, uh, just like the actor in color. Um, you can reach me and find me there. Or you can give me a call in uh, here on anchor.fm and I would love to screen, uh, field your calls and uh, hopefully answer it up. Probably in the next episode, we're going to be doing an FAQ here. Um, so s- send your questions in. I'd love to answer uh, whatever you got on your mind grapes. So until then, enjoy your day and enjoy this episode. Cheers. Cheers.